Welcome to First Hamilton CRC Sermon Podcast. My name is Chris Schoon. I serve as the lead pastor here at First Hamilton. We are delighted that you are listening in. We hope and pray that this message will be an encouragement to you as you seek to know and follow Jesus Christ. In this morning's text, uh, it's actually, I think, more helpful for us to see it as much as to hear it. And so we're going to do a little bit of drama and acting this morning. Um, And I'm going to need some volunteers. We need 13 guys. Young, old, doesn't matter. I need 13 of you guys to come on over here to this spot. Uh, come on, Joel, come on, come on, yeah, come on, come on, Sawyer, come on up, yep, come on, we need 13, yep, so keep coming, keep coming. What do we got, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, come on, 10, 11, we're almost there. <laughs> now it's time for the baseball draft. Just kidding. Um, no, Hank, come on up. I think that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. All right, beautiful. You guys are the twelve disciples. Okay, hold that. All of you cluster here. Hank, you're number thirteen. Hank makes a great Jesus today, doesn't he? I need one woman. Oh, now, yeah, who's going to be the woman? Gina, absolutely. You didn't know what you were volunteering for. What am I? You, are, I you are the woman from Samaria. Oh, my. <laughs> and I need two sign holders, two people just to hold signs. Don't worry, you don't have to say anything. Jonathan, come on up. Jonathan's one. And, and you're going to stand here and hold this side up, all right? And I'll tell you when to flip the sides, okay? And I need one other person just to stand right here in the middle with this. One other person. Leanna? All right, great. All right, before they do anything, they need some applause for courage to get up here. So we're going to position you a minute. Gina, you're over here. You're hanging out in Samaria. What you don't know is this is Samaria. This whole story that that, uh, was just read for us by Betty is is a small piece of a story that starts in John chapter 3 and and goes a little bit further than the passage Betty read. And and so we're going to get a feel for the movement of what's happening here. So way over here, and you got to hold this way up high. All you disciples are hanging out with Jesus in Judea, just outside of Jerusalem, and you're baptizing people. All right, sorry I don't have any water you can throw at people this morning. But you are baptizing people. It is a place of abundance and laughter and great time. In fact, there's so many people coming out to be baptized and there's so much water in Judea that, that John the Baptist is hanging out just down the river. 
So chapter 3 says that there is so many people wanting to be baptized and there's more than enough water that Jesus and John with all their disciples are hanging outside Jerusalem baptizing people. This is what's characterizing their day. It's full of life, full of joy, full of abundance until the Pharisees hear that Jesus is actually baptizing more people than John. And at that point, Jesus, you say to your disciples, come with me. Come with me. So they go on a day-long journey, and they come to Samaria, and it's noon, and they're getting hungry and tired. And that place that they were in, way over there by Jonathan, Judea, is kind of in the background now. They're not baptizing anybody because the ground's kind of arid over here. It's not quite the same as by the river in Judea. And Jesus says, I'm going to rest. So Jesus gets a seat next to the well. He's going to hang out here for a bit. The disciples say, we're hungry. We're hungry. So they decide to go shopping in the closest town. They go to the Sumerian Walmart and the Sumerian Tim Hortons. Don't eat them yet. You're just collecting the food right now. Come on over. Yep. We notice who grabs the Tims first. While they're all in Samaria, hanging out over in that city, you guys could actually sit down there, kind of hang out for a few minutes. A woman comes at high noon up to Jacob's well. Something important for us to notice here. The woman's coming at noon. That culture, you didn't come at noon to the well. You came early in the morning or you came later in the evening. And you went with a group of women from the city. There's actually a picture in our, our church Bible that we have up here uh, of women coming to one of the wells in Samaria. And if you want to look at it afterwards, you can see it. And it was a communal event. So to have a woman come out of Samaria at noontime tells you something already about her status in that culture. She's been pushed out. She's been ostracized. People don't want to be around her, and she doesn't feel like she has a place to belong. She's used to people looking down on her. She's used to people talking about her. She comes out. And lo and behold, she comes to Jacob's well to get water, and she meets Jesus. And Jesus simply says to her, give me something to drink. Jesus is thirsty. I think it's, it's one of those little things in this story that we just read past. It says Jesus is tired, so he sits down by the well. And it says Jesus is thirsty, so he wants something to drink. And he asked this woman for something to drink, and her response, I lost your bucket somewhere. I actually had, there it is. She's got her bucket to get the water out of the well. So she, she begins to dialogue with him, but her first statement is, how can you, a Jewish man, talk to me, a Samaritan woman? She's used to the Samaritans putting her down. The Jews were way up here. 
In fact, it's pretty funny if you think about it a minute that all 12 disciples had to go in that town to get lunch for 13 people. None of them wanted to go alone. None of them wanted to go into Samaria by themselves. They felt safer in a group going into a foreign place. See, those tensions between Jews and and Samaritans had been building for centuries. And the Samaritans were the people who didn't keep the faith the way it was supposed to. They had mixed and mingled with other people in the land. They had all sorts of different ideas about where you worship God and what it means to worship God. And and all those undertones of being an ostracized people, a, a people that the Jews were suspicious of, and the Jews thinking, we've got it together and they're the sinners, that was all in the background of this story. So when this woman begins to talk with Jesus and Jesus with her, she's blown away that someone's showing her dignity and respect and even asking her for help that never had happened in her life. And they have this beautiful interchange. And through that exchange, it's not just that the woman's need for water, but it's also the woman's longing for community that gets exposed. And it's her longing for reconciliation with God. And all those things come out in Jesus' interaction with the woman. And she is so, so blown away that she is meeting someone who she believes is the Christ The text says, leaving her bucket, leaving her water jar, the very thing she had came to fill, leaving that, she goes back to Samaria. Just as the disciples are coming back, and the disciples are all scratching their head. What is that woman doing talking to Jesus, and Jesus talking to that woman? This doesn't make sense. But they got their Timbits, and they got their apples. Who's got the apples? And they got some bread. And they're like, we're going to eat. Go ahead and eat, guys. Volunteering has its bonuses. And then one of them looks up and says, hey, Jesus, eat something. Come on. And, And Jesus says, no. He says, my food Yeah, carb-free, nice. (laughs) He says, my food is something you don't know anything about. My food is to do the will of my Father. And at this point, we need Jonathan to come over here. And Jonathan, we turn that sign around. Sikar. It's a hungry and thirsty place. These disciples just came from a hungry and thirsty place. But they came back with food for themselves. And when they come back to Jesus, Jesus is telling them, my, my food, the thing that sustains me, is not the food you had. It's not the water that the woman had to offer. It's actually to do the will of my Father. The most basic thing he's exposing that we have in life is not to get our physical needs met. The most basic thing is to have a relationship with God in line so that we are doing the will of God the Father. Just then, just as Jesus is saying, disciples, you got to open your eyes and see what's around you. The whole village of Sychar gets up. Whole village. Ah, see, you didn't know you were volunteering today. And they all come back with the woman. 
Seriously, they all come back to meet Jesus at this well outside of the city. And suddenly, you have the disciples who came and went to Sychar to get their timbits. And you have a woman who had been ostracized, a nobody in that culture, emphasized by the fact that the text doesn't even say her name. A woman who was a nobody went to that same city and brought the whole village out to meet Jesus. Do you see the coming and going in this text? Thank you all. There are timbits up here. There's still some tidbits. You can just put them down. This text has a drama that plays out and runs through the whole thing. And that text, that drama that's playing out from us, has everything to do with our Christian identity and what it means for us to do God's will. When they were over here in Judea, in the, the safe place, the place where, where they were people like them, people they understood, cultures they understood, everything made sense. There was an abundance of water, an abundance of response, and, and we get it, and we know how to reach these people, and they were doing God's will in this place, and they were baptizing people left, right, and center. It was a joyous time. And Jesus, in the midst of that abundance, says, come follow me. And they go to an arid place. Oh, they had to be scratching their heads. <laughs> Jesus, it was so good back there. We were doing good things. The kingdom was coming back there. It, it was making sense to us. Didn't you see everybody coming out? Now we're here in this place that we don't know about. In fact, the only place we can even get something to eat is this sketchy Samaritan town on the south skirts here. We'll go to it. But they were so distrusting of Samaritans and so skeptical and suspicious of Samaritans, they didn't even dare go in one by one. They just had all 12 of them have to go together for protection. We're a culture and community to ourselves. We have to stay together. And so they go into the town together and they come out of the town together. Jesus brought them into a place that was completely uncomfortable for them. And though that they had been around the crowds and they were baptizing the crowds and calling people to follow Jesus Christ, when they get into a place that's foreign and unfamiliar to them, they shut down and they no longer call people to follow Christ. They begin to think about their needs and how just to meet their needs. And the foil to them, kind of the, the background teacher to them all, is the Samaritan woman who didn't even have a place in that culture and society. And Jesus does something powerful in his life, just like he had done in the disciples' lives already. And he makes her a disciple and evangelist. And she goes back, and instead of going to meet her needs, remember, she left that water jug behind. She let go of her needs and said, this is a people who need to hear who Jesus is. In fact, they don't need just to hear about him. They need to come and meet him. And she tells her story of Jesus knowing everything about her and the whole city comes out we live in a culture that for many of us doesn't make sense for many of us the Canadian culture around us is changing so much it feels like a Samaria to us 
For many of us, we, we see the people from different cultures and backgrounds and races from all over the world coming in, and, and we have an anxiety within us. How do we do this? How do we relate? How do we connect? And we don't know. We have a tendency to close ourselves off, to stick together in our holy huddles, and just think about what are our needs and how are we going to survive. We are like the disciples in this story. But we're being sent by Jesus into a place and into a community and into a culture that desperately needs to meet Jesus. And we have the one thing they need. We have that relationship with Jesus Christ. We have that knowledge and experience of knowing God and coming to know God. And so we are being sent into this world around us that can seem scary. But we're being sent with the good news of Jesus Christ. And in this story, we are being called to imitate the Samaritan woman. To be someone who is really on the margins of that culture, who really doesn't have any standing in that culture, who's looked at with suspicion and skepticism, because that's how they looked at that woman. And as people who are on the edges and on the margins, we're being called to go back into that community, that culture around us, and say, hey, I've got to tell you something about what Jesus has been doing in my life. And in fact, it's been so profound. I want you to come meet him. Come with me. I'll show you who Jesus is and invite people back in to meet Jesus Christ. Doing God's will is not just something for those times of abundance where everything makes sense. It's also the time for the places of scarcity when things don't make sense. It's not just for those times when the crowds seem to be coming to us and filling the churches. You know, I was reading church history here. There was a time when there was over a thousand members of this church. Some of you remember that. You actually had to, my understanding is, rotate who got to sit in the sanctuary. And there were chairs lined up every week. I believe some people had their duty and responsibility was to set up and take down chairs every Sunday. And those are the places of abundance. But we're not there right now. We're in a season that has a bit of scarcity to it. It has a bit of unnerving to it because of the culture around us and the changes that are happening around us, and we don't know quite how to handle it. But we are called to do God's will, which is to proclaim Jesus Christ in those places of abundance and in those places that scare us. This is God's will for us. Not just a simple task, but a way of life that wherever we go and whoever we counter, encounter in whatever situations we find ourselves in, whether at school or work or our neighborhoods or Walmart or Tim, Tim Hortons, wherever we find ourselves to be a people who are looking out for the needs of others, especially their greatest need, which is our greatest need, to come and meet Jesus Christ. Let's pray. We need you, Jesus. That's the first place we start. We are lost without you. We, like that woman at the well, are thirsty and isolated and feel disconnected from you and from everything else, and we need you. We need you to fill us and to make us whole, to show us that you know us and, and to fill us in such a way that we are overjoyed 
by how good and faithful and present and real you are. We confess that too often we're like your disciples were back then. All excited when things are going well and all scared and nervous when circumstances change. Give us the courage to be faithful in plenty and in scarcity when things make sense and and resonate with our culture and when we encounter cultures that are different than ours. Help us to be faithful wherever you send us. In Christ Jesus we pray. Amen.